Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is Good, Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me is Mr. Charles Chuckles Thompson. How's it going today, Chuck? Oh, great. Good, good. Yes. You're looking looking great there in that black T-shirt that I you're wearing. I learned how to speak on the microphone. That's good. Yeah. It only took a few years for you to learn that. years, and I'm still, every day I'm... I'm Trying my best to get better. You know, it's really weird. People never really believe that I would do this because I don't talk very much. Mm-mm. I'm like, I just, it's kind of a strange thing because when it comes to talking to people. I actually, I had the idea for this podcast to improve our friendship. That's what it was. Just to try and get me to talk more. It's like Nate never answers my phone calls, but he sure will talk <laughs> on the him. microphone. I'll get him on phone for <laughs> an hour a day for sure. I, t- I don't like talking politics in my spare time though. I don't like going outside of, like, when I do this and I get home and Lacey's like, so what's going on today? What would you guys talk about? I don't know that she's noticed yet, but I never answer her. <laughs> I don't give her, I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't want to talk about it anymore. We mm. just did this, you know? Listen to the show. You're trying, to, you're trying to, shave, to not shave off so many years of your life because yeah. you keep going. I can't spend too much more time on this. That's you right. know, just an hour a day. That's it. I have a personal question for you. Are you, you know, is this the best time? Yeah. When you okay. When you, we when we start the show, and you always ask me how I'm doing. Are you ever thrown off by the question, "How you doing? How you doing? Like, how are you doing? Am I thrown off by it? I'm talking in general, because as Americans, most of the time we walk around and people are like, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" And you're like, "Yeah, oh, it's good. Everything's fine. What yeah. if things aren't fine?" It, there's just a general response that people say, you know, the yeah. most, and you're not even listening for them. You don't care what they Which actually say back. Proper English. You're good. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, are relatively you, speaking, we are good. Are you well? Sure. Okay. Compared to a lot of other people, comparatively, you're, you're doing great. Okay. If you always do that. This is Good Morning Liberty, where we just talk about random nonsense for a few minutes, and then we get into the receipts, which we brought. We uh, sp- it, spill the tea. Yes. Is that what we do? I heard someone say sure that the other day, and I'm not quite sure what it means yet, but uh, heck, let's heck, let's just say that whenever we want to. Who cares? Spill the tea, sweet tea. Sweet tea, <laughs> usually, because we're from Nashville. The, um, so. Make sure you go to joingml.com, by the way. Join the private Discord so you can hang out and chat with us. Everyone here has been listening to us talk randomly about things since uh, 11. We're 18 minutes in with these people already today, so they're they're getting some extra stuff. Every single day of the week when we want to. So then go do that. Spill the sweet tea, you get swarmed by bees. Because mm-hmm. they, yeah, they like sugar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and do they like Splenda, though? I'd be fine if they like Splenda. And, humming, and hummingbirds. Okay. First story, very serious here hospitalizations, COVID, by the way. You guys remember COVID? Back to COVID. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're going to have to start shifting people's focus over to something else. You know, course. I just mentioned on the show yesterday that COVID was over. And then I thank the Ukrainian people for their sacrifice. And Nate said, hold my tea. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to spill it. <laughs> it's not over yet. And they're starting, I'm noticing in the news, they're starting to drum up a little bit of fear for people. You don't just go straight on and say, oh, everyone panic. Everybody panic. Mm. Everybody watch out. You got to start working on them for a little bit, you see. Yeah. You got to go for a couple weeks spinning up a few little news stories that people see here and there. And then they start to remember the fear, the fear that they had once had a few weeks ago before the whole Russia-Ukraine thing that they had had about COVID. So anyway. All the while, no mention of the big, you know, the 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 cryptocurrency regulations and things mm. like that coming out that we talked about. No, we haven't talk even talked about, about the Supreme Court nominee. Supreme Court nominee. She's nominee for the Supreme Court. We, we talked about her once, mentioned her in passing. Yeah. Yeah. Probably because she didn't molest anyone in high school. Yeah, I guess that's it. That we know of. Well, well we, we'll dig it up. We'll before see. we talk about COVID, I do have to ask you one question. <laughs> this this thought just occurred to me okay. about Russia. Okay. So remember that uh, that ballistic missile warning that went off on everybody's phones in Hawaii? Mm-hmm. Wasn't that like 2018-ish? I'm not sure. It was misinformation, though. I know. I know yeah. that. It's it fake news. Accidental. Yeah. Um, you know, r- run and hide. You think it was not actually an accident? You know, I, I'm just, I thought about it because I was reminded that in 2018 is when Putin came out with a speech talking about all the ad, advanced. My wedding ring just broke, by the way. Oh, well, I'm gonna you're not to, married anymore. Have to get in the drawer. Ladies, where y'all at? Hit me up on Discord. I'll respond in a week or so. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I was just. Before you get a new one. Yeah. That's weird. Okay. Mm. Anyway, Russia. Yeah, what I was saying is 2018 is when he announced all the new weapons Mm. that Russia had been working on since the treaty was torn up in 2008 or something like that. So it took him about 10 years. And you know, Russia now has, they have nuclear powered nuclear weapons. That's efficient. They're they're quiet. Yeah. And uh, they also have weapons that 2018 Hawaii false missile alert. Look at that. Yeah. It was 2018. Okay. So isn't that something? This is a wild conspiracy theory to start just, off with. You got no evidence to back this I claim don't. up at all. I don't. I'm just yeah. thinking about timelines mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Just, you know, I was thinking about fear. You were talking about fear. Yeah. Things like that. And well, so, yeah, hey. sure, sure. That's what it was. It was yeah. actually Russia. And then actually the story of it being a false missile alert was just to cover up the fact that it was a real Missile alert. That's all it was. There yes. we go. You heard it here first, folks. I'm, and I'm, I'm kidding. I'm sure people have been talking about that for a while. Hospitalizations of young children increased fivefold during the Omicron surge. If that was the headline right there, that would be... Whew, That's man. bad. But few died, says CDC report. How many is a few? We'll talk about it here in a second. Mm-hmm. From the WAPO, young children in the U.S. were hospitalized at much higher rates this winter as Omicron became the dominant variant than they were during the Delta surge, according to a new report published by the CDCP. At the peak of the Omicron wave, infants and other children under five were hospitalized at five times the rate documented during Delta, although few deaths were reported, the study said. About 63% of those hospitalized had no underlying medical conditions, and 44% of those were infants under six months. A factor in the high... Now remember, infants under six months, especially new parents, mm-hmm. will bring their doctor in for anything. Anything. Just about anything, because you're scared. You've got no clue what's going on. to death, especially if it's your first one. Except for when you get it's, to like the third kid, you're like, screw it, they'll be fine. Yeah. 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 i got two other ones. Take a nap. Hey, here's some whiskey. Here's a little whiskey for your throat. <laughs> Let me rub it on there. <laughs> a, factor, a factor in the high hospitalizations may be that infants and other young children are the only demographic in the U.S. who are not yet eligible for vaccines. Of course. Yep. Mm-hmm. To protect them, the CDC recommends vaccines for the adults and the older children around them to protect them from this very, very dangerous virus. Pregnant people are also encouraged to get vaccinated, both to protect themselves from higher risk of severe infection and to pass that protection on to their babies. I like how I like how it's pregnant people. 
It's no longer pregnant oh, that's women. That's right. I didn't even notice that. You see? see? You don't even don't notice about these it anymore. subtle things. Pregnant just, people. Pregnant people. So all you people out there that are pregnant, even though we just had equal payday, two drug blows my mind. <laughs> two drug companies, Pfizer and Moderna, are developing vaccines for children under five. The FDA, which has to authorize those, is awaiting data from Pfizer on the efficacy of a three-dose vaccine for children between the ages of six months and five years, which may be available in mid-April. So they're drumming up the fear mm-hmm, for the mm-hmm. vaccine. Got to get this ready for when mm-hmm. they approve this vaccine. So let's go through some now, of this stuff. how many kids died, Nate? We're going to, I'm going to, we'll talk about it. It's a, a, an alarming, an alarming amount. So here's the spike right here. Here's that five-fold increase for Omicron. If you're watching the video, you can, in fact, see that this line, this black one, which is the kids, does seem to go up. Now, that's age six months or less. And then uh, that's the one that's really bad. The rest of those are, are other kids. So real dangerous for little kids. Now, here's some important stuff. They got this thing called COVIDnet. It's not COVID.net. It's just COVIDnet. All right. And 14 states like are participating. Yeah, it's just like that. Al Gore made it. The COVIDnet. Yeah. Um, 14 states are doing this, and this is where they separate out with COVID or because of COVID. All right, that's what they're trying to do. They collect data on primary reason for admission to the hospitalizations of patients with a laboratory-confirmed SARS-CoV-2 infection who are likely admitted primarily for COVID-19. During review, if the surveillance officer found that the chief complaint or history of present illness mentions fever or respiratory, uh, respiratory illness or a COVID-19-like illness, or suspicion for COVID-19, then the case was categorized as COVID-19-related illness. So they still, still not only confirmed results, by the way, it still can be suspicion, just so everyone, just so everyone knows. And basically, the things they for sure did not put in there was if you were in the hospital for an inpatient surgery or some kind of trauma. Those are the ones they for sure cut out, Okay. Just so we know what kind of data we're getting here. 14 states did this. We got other states. Okay. I think there's 50 of them all together. And this is during Omicron from this data right here. During the Omicron wave where five-fold children were hospitalized and stuff like that. How many of you guys think? It's a lot, right? We've got to be real scared. It's real bad. It's real bad. It's a bad number. Way more than would have been if they would have been vaccinated. Earmuffs, kids. Everyone get your earmuffs. Two. Two. Mm. Just so everyone knows. In those 14 states that were separating out whether or not you were there with or because of COVID. And by the way, because of COVID could still be a suspicion of COVID. And just so you know, those are six months or less infants. True, yeah, true those, infants. All of them, six to 23 months, zero, two to four, zero. Two of them were less than six months. Okay. Uh, the next one. Just, Which, this, by the way, just like being old, you have a lot higher chance of dying if you're under six months old. Yeah, overall. Zero to six a, months. Of everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can just die of sudden infant death syndrome. Just all of a sudden. SIDS. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. For the entire pandemic, March 1st, 2020, to, that's weird. I thought it started at the bottom of the stock market, but I guess March 1st, 2020 <laughs> to January 31st, 2022, the entire time for zero to four years in these 14 states. This includes some big states like New York. All right. 16. For the uh, over the entire pandemic right there. Mm. Okay. So now one is too many. I don't we like don't, any of kids dying. No, we don't. We're not condoning kid death here. Okay, <laughs> but we're talking about what your level of fear should be for your child. Uh, you notice again, the majority of those are ten of those is sixteen, so over half of them are. Uh, uh, this oh, is no, actually pre-Delta. This is OG COVID, it's and then OG Delta and Omicron. Gotcha. Yep. So as you can see, it's improving. Yeah, it's that's good. what I was it's, saying. Yeah, we're getting you know, but no, I we're mean we're better. we're against death in and of itself. Like death is a thing. Mm-hmm. totally against it, whatever whatever form it comes in, and especially for children. No no child deserves to die. Definitely not. Right? We believe, we believe in life, liberty for these kids. Um, but what should your level of fear be when it comes to your kids contracting and dying from COVID? And 
how likely are you to get the vaccine for them? Well, it turns out something they don't really die from. As far as things that kids die from, this is super low on the list. Real low. Now, we already know that the first part of this podcast cannot go on YouTube. We know that for sure. Okay. Probably not even Facebook. But it's important to know what the media is going to be doing here. They're going to be trying to drum up as much fear as possible in time for the FDA authorizing the the vaccines for young kids. Mm-hmm. So they've got to try and get this out here. The article itself, by the way, which was about 20 paragraphs long, did not put the number of kids that had died. Even though they said few died in the article headline, they didn't put what the number was in the article. I had to go to the CDC report to actually find it. They just said only a, a few died. Now, few could mean like a few percent of the five-fold increase in hospitalizations. And we know that there were a ton of them. Few doesn't normally uh, mean, you know, three, or in this case, two. It doesn't have to mean three or two. It could have been a small percentage of them died. In this case, it was a small percentage. It was an extremely, extremely very hard to even see percentage of the kids that died. All this to say, listen, we don't need to be mandating no vaccines for kids mm. going anywhere, not school, not anywhere else at all. The risks are not going to outweigh the benefits when you look at this total number of kids that they know died the, in these 14 states. The flu numbers are way worse for kids, mm. by the way. Uh, you're one of them flu spiracy theorists out there. Mm-hmm. I got you. Flu spiracy. Okay, and other big related news. This is kind of this is kind of I didn't think this was going to happen so fast. But Charles mm-hmm. from the New York Post. Um, well. He didn't unalive himself. It's and true. He wanted that to be known, that he was not suicidal. We're talking, of course, of Juicy Smoulier, uh, Juicy Smullet. He was released from jail amid appeal on charges he faked a hate crime. So Smoulier was released from jail Wednesday night, hours after an Illinois state appellate court ruled he could go free while his lawyers appeal his conviction for staging a hate crime. Now, just that right there, I've got a question. Is it normal? I, first, I want to say I don't care that he, I don't care whether or not he went to jail. I really, I really don't. I, I think paying restitution back to the city for all the time that was spent on all that, I think that's fine. Nonviolent crime, well, kind of nonviolent. <laughs> when you're the victim, I guess, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that works out with it being a nonviolent crime. But um, what happens if you beat yourself up? I'm not sure. What I really I care about liar Jim Carrey and liar liar. What I really care about are, are all the other people that are still in jail. Probably a lot of them appealing their convictions also. So just this, oh, he's appealing his conviction, so we're going to let him out while mm. he's doing that. Really? Is that a thing? It is now. I'm sure there's a lot of people in prison right now that are wondering when that became a thing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's a, there's there's different justice systems for for different people. Depends on what your connections are. Yes. Defense lawyers argue that Smoulier was unconstitutionally charged twice for the same crime after Cook County's state's attorney's office originally agreed to dismiss his case in 2019 in connection with the alleged false report that claimed bigoted fans of President Donald Trump attacked him with a noose and bleach. When this case was prosecuted, when it was sentenced, I wondered to myself if Chicago had seceded from the union because you cannot punish someone twice. The lead defense lawyer, uh, Uchi, told reporters outside the jail. Did Chicago secede from the union? <clears throat> yeah, so I put this little quote in here from a legal website I was looking at because I, I hadn't thought about the double jeopardy thing. I thought the double jeopardy thing had to do with something that you were actually convicted of. This does actually have to do with something that you were charged with uh, or prosecuted for, I guess. So I, I I feel like maybe they, if this were a real thing, they would have made this argument, you know, way beforehand, not after he had been sentenced, but maybe that would have been an argument beforehand when they were going through court mm-hmm. and all that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, why wouldn't you bring that up? Eh, whatever. So, according to the Double Jeopardy Clause in the Fifth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, a person cannot be prosecuted twice for the same crime. The relevant part of the Fifth Amendment states, no person shall be prosecuted twice for the same crime. A person who commits the same offense twice may be put at risk of life or limb. There are exceptions to Double Jeopardy Clause. An individual can be tried twice for the same crime if the elements of each crime are different. 
which is why they charge you with 832 mm-hmm. different types of things so that hopefully they can get one of them to stick. It is possible for jurisdictions to charge the same person with the same crime without violating double jeopardy laws since the same facts are used. So Smoulier's lawyers filed an emergency motion to postpone his sentence on Monday, and an appellate judge found that because Smoulier had, con- uh, had been convicted of nonviolent offenses, the court would allow him to be released from a Chicago jail on a $150,000 individual bond during the appeal, according to the court order. I don't feel like that's near high enough. Well, he doesn't even have to pay it. He only has to pay it if he doesn't go back to court. Well, I know. That's what so, I'm saying. It's not, yeah. I don't feel like it's near high enough to like you know reduce a flight risk or something like that. Uh, anyway, for his high-level income and status as mm-hmm. an actor on Empire. Uchi and three other defense lawyers told reporters they believed the second clause, uh, the second case, sorry, and sentence was unconstitutional and racist, mm. arguing that Smoulier was persecuted for making a complaint against purported white assailants. Quote, multiple false reports are made against black men all over the country. Nobody cares. That's not an argument. Your argument can't be that someone else does this. <laughs> That's not a legal argument from your defense attorney. He, they do it to us all the time. They do now, it to us. <laughs> I don't disagree with that. There are literally tons of false reports against black people all the time. There's, there are tons of false reports against all kinds of people all the time. In fact, Juicy Smoogay filed a false report against yeah. a black person. So, And I think that they should prosecute those because you should be held liable for creating lies mm-hmm. against other people. Quote, we've been complaining about the dis, uh, disparate treatment of African-Americans in the judicial system. Should black men be walked into jail for a class four felony? Shame on you if you think they should. So yep. that's a thing. He's no longer in prison. Now, like I said, I mean, I don't know where, where you come down on this. I, you know, I, I care about the restitution thing. As much as far as that goes, you know, paying back people for their time. I understand that you want to have some punishments and stuff for breaking the law or, and you don't want people to be able to make false reports and, and do all that. In this case, my biggest, my biggest problem is not the fact that he got let out of jail. It's likely why he got let out of jail, which is probably because someone made a phone call to the right person. Mm-hmm. The right person made a phone call to the right person is really what happened here. And two, there's a lot of people that are appealing their sentences that are likely actually innocent of the crimes that they were convicted of, that were convicted of nonviolent crimes all over the country that are still in jail right now. Where's the justice that Juicy Smouye is standing up for right now when he gets convicted of something and gets let out because of the people that he knows, but all kinds of other black and brown and gay people get left in jail just because what? They didn't have the right person to make the right phone call? He doesn't actually care about rights, civil rights or equality or justice or anything like that. Yeah, that's all he actually cares about. Yeah, I mean, how many black guys are in prison for selling weed, which is legal now in half the states? (laughs) Right? Where's the justice in that? They're all still sitting there for nonviolent passing of uh, grass. (laughs) Not gas. Not gas. <laughs> Although it could be. That's yeah. always violent. People, uh, you know, huffing methane or something is what I hear. Anyway. 18 states, Costco said. I mean, I knew he was blowing it out when half. he said half. Close to yeah. half. So closer to half than not half. Um, do this, uh, if you don't have anything else, do this next story real quick because the next one I'm doing is a little bit more lengthy. And uh, I just thought this was interesting. We've talked about don't say gay. Can't say it in Florida. It's actually yeah. against the rules. They check you before you go across the border to make sure that you're not someone who you, would potentially say gay. Are you going to say gay? Gay. Well, we're in Tennessee. Yeah, so we're in Tennessee. We can, you can still say gay here, surprisingly. <laughs> you can still say it, but I'm sure uh, they're working on that right now. All right, from Yahoo. Slight majority of voters support Florida's LGBT, LGBT education bill poll finds. So where's the cue? Hmm? Where's the Q and the plus? Uh, I'm not sure. This is just LGBT now. Okay. Yeah, I guess it doesn't include the plus. I'm not real sure. Okay. Well, they found that a narrow majority of U.S., so all of U.S., not just Mm -hmm. Florida, 
they support Florida's parental rights and education bill, which prohibits the teaching of sexual orientation and gender identity to public school students in kindergarten through third grade. 51% of those polled approve of the measure, while 35% oppose it, according to a new Politico morning consult poll of registered voters. Now, is that a narrow... Here's the reason I wanted to talk about this. And it almost made it in the dumb bleep. Now, technically, 51% approve of it. So that is a narrow majority. All right. But it's 51% that support it and 35% that oppose it. And the article is written and the headlines written in the in the manner that shows that people are just neck and neck on this. Yeah. You know, it's 51 to 35. I think I heard someone on... Uh, maybe one of the guys on Tim Pool on Timcast talking like if that were an election or something, that's a landslide election mm-hmm. right there. So it's just a little bit of trickery with the way that they're using the words here, but oh well. Yeah. Oh, one thing I wanted to show, I know you if got you another. Want, yeah, if you want an election 51 to 35%, I mean, it's not that's not even close. Yeah. They, um, probably, cl- they probably called that election when they're only like 10% of the precinct was reporting. Look at the, when I searched this, because I wanted to find what the poll numbers were on this. Let me put this on the full screen. Here's my two options. Slight majority of voters support the LGBT education bill, poll finds, or majority of Americans are against laws that ban LGBTQ lessons in class, poll finds. Hmm. Those are my two options right there. Either one news article saying that a majority of voters support it, or one news article saying that a majority of Americans are against it. So you decide right well, there. You notice in, in the MSN article, it's LGBTQ. Mm, that's right. Yahoo's being a little, you know, uninclusive. Well, Can you be uninclusive? Uninclusive? Sure, sure. All right, it's public opinion. It's not like it's out inclusive or anything. Public opinion on the bill fell along partisan lines, with 70% of Republican voters backing Florida's legislation and 51% of Democrats rejecting it. Independents helped shift the balance, with 46% supporting it and 35% opposing it. Progressives at the state and national level have decried the initiative and dubbed it the Don't Say Gay bill, despite the fact that such language is missing from the text. The language was also used in the poll questions. Yeah, they called it the don't say gay bill in the poll. And it has nothing to do with that whatsoever. <laughs> and, it, you know, look, I saw some I saw someone come out yesterday on TikTok. It's like, look, I'm gay. She said, I'm gay. And I support this bill because I don't think children from ages whatever to the third grade should be talking about this kind of stuff. Um, and a lot of people in the comments were like, oh, so you can talk about mom and dad, but you can't talk about mom and mom. Like nothing in here is prohibiting kids from no. talking about their moms or their dads in, in school in fact, with each other. If someone's talking about it, you can have like you can join the conversation if you want to. The, the wording of the bill says that a teacher cannot encourage conversations about these things, meaning they can't have a lesson plan and come to school and say, I'm going to teach you about these things today. Yes. It doesn't mean that you literally can't say the words or you can't mention mom and mom or dad and dad or whatever, any of that stuff. That's not what it, this is all completely media fabricated mm-hmm. just beautifully by, by people. And they've done a great job naming it this. I don't know. Yeah, and th- th- that's the thing. They they name it something like "Don't Say Gay," and then they get everybody behind it. And so you, right off the bat, you someone's like, "Oh, they're passing a Don't Say Gay" bill." You drum up all the emotions. Mm-hmm. Like what? It's this this is crazy. Are we? There's Nazis in Florida. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there that's, probably are some Nazis in Florida. I know, but that's like that. That's some they're time so shares. good at this kind of stuff mm-hmm. of of coming up with these things and getting people's emotions riled up. And in fact, because most people, 99.9% of people are never going to read the bill. No. Ever. Even though it's like, it's a, there's a page worth of bullet points in the bill. That's, that's really all it is. Mm. It's a pretty easy bill to read. It's Crazy. not like a bill we get from Congress or anything that's 2,700 pages long. Yeah. I um, can't believe this next one. I, I had another question in here, by the oh. way, before we move on from this. So I'm assuming everyone that is against this 
is totally okay with it now that 51% of the people approve of it. That's the majority. Democracy. That's democracy right mm-hmm. there. Why are we even talk? In fact, we should censor their speech about it. Make sure this they can't even talk about it anymore. Misinformation. Mm-hmm. Listen. It's actually legit misinformation. The majority of speech. <laughs> well, they say anytime they talk about it, the Florida's LGBTQ um, whatever bill, which critics have dubbed don't say gay bill, mm. and that's how they say it. They make sure that don't say gay, or they put don't say gay in quotations so they know that that's not the actual name of the bill mm. when they're talking about it because someone called it that. And so now they can say that because someone called it that every time they talk about it. It's, it's so smart. Mm-hmm. It's so smart. Like if you're trying to manipulate and destroy society, they're so good at it. There's, we, need to, we, get, we need to close these language loopholes <laughs> that people are getting. I mean, but this is an issue here with democracy. What if uh, I'm wondering from all those people who are so supportive of a, like a direct democracy or a majority rule, if they're just going to let go on this now, we'll see you later. Mm-hmm. 51% the people support it. Why are you upset? It's obviously right. 51% of people banned abortion in these, uh, you know, banned it's, abortion uh, states. There can't be anything wrong with it. 51% mm-hmm. said that that's what they want to do. All right. Next thing. Now, this I is. I can't believe you're bringing this guy up. <laughs> Al Gore. Who For those to- of you that don't remember, Costco, probably you, you're 22. Al Gore won the presidential election <laughs> in 2000. If it weren't for that Galdern hanging Chad, it was there was a hanging Chad recount mm-hmm. vote in the crazy state of Don't Say Gay Florida. I can still see the picture of the guy hanging up the ballot that did a recount, like holding it up, trying to look at the Chads that mm-hmm. were out there. Did a recount, and uh, Bush ended up winning. Yep. So. That's- there he is right there. I wanted to I wanted to pull this up, put it on here. <laughs> this guy right here. Yep. That is forever ingrained in my memory. That picture right there. <laughs> it's crazy. All right, anyway. So this is a an interesting article from Fee. And they're really talking about free speech. And they're talking about misinformation. And they bring up some stuff that Al Gore had said. By the way, one time my wife served on a murder trial and during jury selection, Al Gore was pulled in because he lives in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And so he came in for jury selection He went up to the thing and gave his name and they let him go after that. They didn't make him serve on the jury. That would have been great if they did. (laughs) It would have been pretty good. So she was close to Al Gore. Yeah, right there. Although she wasn't sure who he was, she said. (laughs) (laughs) I I have a weird story for this too. Just so you know, um, I, I think I've told you this before. I don't know if I told the podcast, but Al Gore also had a, a giant lake house or a, a houseboat mm-hmm. on Center Hill Lake that was converted to use biodiesel. So he was using like the grease from McDonald's mm-hmm. and stuff. It smelled like egg rolls. Yeah. <laughs> so, however, first of all, it was the biggest boat there. It was converted to biodiesel, so that, there you go. That's a little green. However, to get the biodiesel to his boat, he brought it in on semi-trucks mm. that used regular diesel. And then anytime he was there, there were two helicopters flying around <laughs> as a security detail. The biodiesel helicopters? I don't think so. Okay. I probably solar-powered yeah. helicopters. Though. Now he, did, he, sold it, he sold that boat. I don't know, probably five or six well, years ago. You know, a but, helicopter's already got that big spinning wind turbine on top of it, so you don't even need any power for it. Self-powered. It's self-powered. <laughs> it generates enough energy to do that. I just always thought that was funny, <laughs> that he would have helicopters flying around, you know, protecting him while he was out on his houseboat. And, uh, yeah, you know. It's well, the it's the virtue signal that counts. As okay. long as it runs on biodiesel, that's, that's the thing about it. All right, we'll talk about free speech and misinformation. Al Gore's 2009 warning on vanishing polar ice and the perils of censoring misinformation. So while speaking at a climate change summit in Denmark in 2009... This guy's still making money off climate change. mm -hmm. This is great. Al Gore made an alarming statement. He said, these figures are fresh. Some of the models suggest to Dr. Maslowski 
that there is a 75% chance that the entire North Polar ice cap during the summer months could be completely ice-free within five to seven years. All right. Said that in 25% one. Yeah. (laughs) Stretching. So this is as Reuters reported in a recent fact check, Mr. Gore was guilty of misrepresenting scientific data or like we, what we call it nowadays spreading misinformation. Mm. Okay. Today, misinformation, they talk about some stuff when it relates to COVID-19 is treated much different. Sometimes. Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, many writers and scientists who questioned the government's use of lockdowns, mask mandates, enforced social distancing, and vaccine mandates were banned from social media platforms while others lost their jobs. Earlier this month, San Francisco attorney uh, Michael Singer was permanently banned from Twitter after calling the government's pandemic response a giant fraud. Ban. Ban them. Out of here. In August, former New York Times reporter Alex Berenson Got the boot after questioning the efficacy of vaccines in preventing COVID-19 transmission. Turns out he was right. Months earlier, it was Naomi Wolf, a political advisor to the presidential campaigns of Bill Clinton and Al Gore. Twitter is hardly alone, of course. Facebook and YouTube also announced policies banning the spread of COVID-19 misinformation, particularly information related to vaccines, which is what got doctors McCullough and Malone ostracize and ban. And by the way, we mentioned earlier in this episode, the very first part of this podcast, we can't put on YouTube. Mm -mm. What do we talk about? The CDC report. We read a CDC report. Okay. We can't put it on there. So this is interesting. The stuff that he said, I just want to go over how we do fact checks and talk about misinformation as it relates to uh, COVID and other things, of course, now Russia and stuff like that. Uh, When we get to censorship and what it used to be like, the, this interesting fact check here from NPR, here's how much they let him off the hook. Even the title, Al Gore slips on the ice, Arctic ice, misstates scientist forecasts. He misstates it. Like most politicians practicing and reformed, Al Gore has been known to stretch the truth on occasion. Oh, Like predicting New York would be underwater. I get it. He's just a politician. That's what most politicians mm. do. So it's not surprising he played it a bit fast and loose during the speech he gave at all oh, that Al Gore. You know, he likes to play it fast and loose. That silly Al Gore. I bet it, that I bet you can still find a speech on YouTube. I'm sure he gave it the Copenhagen Climate Change Conference with a global warming prediction a scientist provided to his office. And even scientists who believe humans are contributing to global warming were alarmed by the misstatement of the forecast. Uh, Dr. Mas- Maslowski said... I was very explicit that we were talking about near ice-free conditions and not completely ice-free conditions in the Northern Ocean. Which also is way off. Then he said, I would never try to estimate likelihood at anything as exact as this. It's unclear to me how this figure was arrived at based on the information I provided to Al Gore's office. You are right about it being way off, by the way. I thought that I had that inside of this article, but let me pull it up real quick. From fee inside of this article, they go through the data that came from NASA in 2021. The Arctic Sea extent was 4.72 million kilometers, 11 percent more than the 4.16 million kilometers in 2007, according to NASA. <laughs> so it grew over this time. The models uh, were inverse. Yes. Just a little bit off. Just a, li- a little bit off. But what would have happened if this is what the science said? Now, we've already got a little bit of this. Here's really the main point, and we'll go through one more fact check here. This is what the science said. We're going to censor all speech and information that's counter to what the science is saying right now. Okay, it's all out of here. And then we're going to take all of our money. We're going to all put it into this because he just said five to seven years, this is all going to be gone. We actually have to take the entire U.S. economy over the next 20 years and pour it into uh, making sure that this does not happen. And we're going to make sure that everyone is removed from all the social media platforms if they counter anything that these people are saying. Going to remove any voice that is contradictory to the consensus. But in this case, science, he was the one that was misstating what the actual scientist said that was that was working with him on this. So this is a fact check from Reuters in 2021 when they did this fact check. Al Gore did not predict ice caps melting by 2013 
but misrepresented data. So they're making sure. Listen. He didn't say what he said. (laughs) They picked one random person here who in a Twitter post said Al Gore predicts ice-free Arctic by 2013. And so then they do this fact check. Oh, he didn't predict that the ice caps were going to melt by 2013. He completely lied about data that someone else had given him when he did that. But Mm -hmm. that wasn't him predicting this. That's totally different things. Taken out of context. He was talking about what another scientist didn't say. (laughs) That's what he was talking about. Okay. A 2009 comment from Al Gore had gone viral recently. Gore didn't make this prediction himself, but was citing findings from a climate researcher. He did, however appear to misrepresent the data, given the fact that the person who gave him the data said, I have no idea how the hell he got that from the data that I mm-hmm. gave him. That makes no sense. Gore cited findings from Maslowski. We talked about him. However, it appears he misstated the forecast, according to reporting at the time. So their fact check on this, missing context. Of course it is. Missing context. Gore did not himself predict that the North Pole would be ice-free in summer by 2013. However, he did mischaracterize other people's findings. He also made a range of statements during this period, citing varied predictions. He was citing other people's predictions that they didn't make when he was giving this. Mm -hmm. And this article, just in case you want to know, is uh, from Reuters. So he meant mostly ice-free. That's what it was. Anyway... What I'm trying to figure out here is, of course, we got some bias with our fact-checking, just a little bit. It's a tiny bit of bias. We've seen that so many times Talked about over it the last times. couple of years. Yeah, that's, a, that's something that's going on right now. If you, are a, if you are a friend of the narrative, you will get a, a unbelievable wash of anything that you say or do. Yeah. And if you're a foe, watch out. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I can't believe they came up with missing content. So what they do, what they like to do on these, by the way, is they go pick a rando that said something on Twitter that, I mean, that even as the date that they did this, so that had 400 retweets whenever they took the screenshot. It's not like that's the biggest post that you got to make sure you do a fact check on Twitter or anything like that. <laughs> and, uh, and so they do a check that on something that's got 400 retweets and say, oh, no, this guy's missing context. He didn't predict it. He lied about what someone else had said. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that turns it into a prediction or not. You guys decide. You tell me what it is. Do you want to go into the rent control thing? Yeah, Are we going to do, do that it. this week? Okay. I just, I missed, I missed talking about Al Gore. Yeah. I'm glad he's, I'm glad he's back up in the. But thanks to him, news. we're able to use the internet to talk to everyone right now. So exactly. That's awesome. I do appreciate that, Mr. Gore. Thank you. All right. From the Wall Street Journal, we talked about a little bit of, yesterday about how uh you know politicians their solutions it's it's amazing how they will create a problem and then offer a problem as a solution Mm -hmm. (laughs) and keep saying like oh well you know we spent all this money but really it's the greedy corporations and these greedy capitalists so we got to rein them back in with things that are going to cause more problems so you're going to need more of us Mm -hmm. so Rent control measures are back as home rents reach new highs. According to real estate broker Redfin Corp., the prices have hit record levels across the U.S. and are up about 18% on the average over the past two years. The proposals would generally allow landlords to boost monthly rents by 2% to 10%. That's the range on it. Anywhere Mm -hmm. from 2 to 10, no more than that. Some cities are weighing more restrictive rent caps than previously considered. St. Paul, Minnesota enacted the only rent control in the Midwest last year and now has one of the most stringent policies in the country. You know where they stopped building new homes? St. Paul, Minnesota. We're about to go into that here in a sec. In Santa Santa Ana, California, local officials have gone beyond the state's rent control measure to limit local rent increases to 3% at apartments built before 1995, I, they should just put a cap on inflation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need inflation control. That what man, that's a good idea. This, inflation can't go up by more than three percent. That's at least worth a tweet right there. I know. All right, go ahead. Other rent control out. efforts will also have to navigate prohibitions, which still exist in more than two dozen states. 
the real estate business successfully lobbied several states to write anti-rent control statutes decades ago, and the industry is active again. Quote, we consider it an, an existential threat, said Jim Lapideus, a spokesman for the National Multifamily Housing Council, a landlord trade group. But some lawmakers don't see a better way to address the rising rent burden. Florida State Senator Victor Torres is proposing to overturn Florida's rent control ban. So yeah. What are you supposed to do? They see no. How about what if we didn't have any houses for rent because there were no more landlords because they didn't see it as a viable investment and they would put their money in Bitcoin or wherever else? And then that all of this stuff, all the policies shifted into a eventual future where the government has to provide everything because they end up pushing everyone else out of the market. Mm -hmm. It's just weird how that's what it ends up leading to. It leads to communism or fascism. It's just where it ends up going. They have to provide it. No one else will come into the market. These greedy people, they're putting their money into, into other stuff right now. We can't get them to put their money into houses anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not our fault for capping the amount of money that they could make off of it. It's definitely not our fault <laughs> at all. It's their fault. Be. I mean, just think, you put a 3% high. I mean, I know you don't want it to go up more than 3%. Obviously, I don't want mine to go up more than 3%. But you're talking the, the price has gone up 18% over the last two years. You can put a 3% cap? Come on, man. Exactly. Someone do the math on this for me. Those numbers are different. Those colors don't bleed. Yeah. One of them is different from the mm -hmm. other number. One of them is much higher. So what do they think is going to happen when they do this? Ugh. Now, we mentioned St. Paul here. So this is coming from AmericanExperiment.org. Housing construction down in St. Paul since rent control passage. Who would have guessed that? No, no clue that was going to happen. There's the prediction. Who could have ever predicted that? And you know what this that is does, the, this, by the way? This is what we were talking about the other day. It's like, at some point, you get tired of being right. <laughs> I know. You're like, we've been shouting from the rooftops, like, what else do we have to do to tell you that this is going to happen? If you do this, it'll lead to this. Yeah. If you do this, it'll do this. And if you do this, it'll do this. And it's and like... Everybody's like, we don't know what, how this happened. Several months ago, when we're talking about the St. Paul the rich thing... people. We're, we'll pull, we could pull up the St. Paul thing when we're talking about it. They're, they announce that they're going to do this, and just us two regular Joe Schmoes over here, a couple Jamokes over here just talking about economics are like, you know what's going to happen? From old Nashville, Tennessee, don't know anything. You know what's going to happen, man? People are going to stop building houses in those areas, and that's actually going to restrict the supply, which is going to create an even more upward pressure on the prices. And then people are going to have a hard time finding places. There's going to be shortages. And it's going to be because people don't want to build houses in that area. And we say that. And then and the it, politicians are going to throw up their hands and be like, we don't know what happened. Racist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they got to say that afterwards. Ignorant. Charlish. Definitely insubordinate. Greedy. Mm -hmm. Insubordinate capitalist. And then it's Putin's fault, probably. That's mm. what's going on in St. Paul. These they have a real big Putin like Putin rent prices base in there. Putin yeah. rent prices are going up. So according to data from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, as reported by MinPost between November 21st and January 22nd, St. Paul issued a total of 224 pit permits for multifamily housing units. However, in the period a year before November 2020 to January 2021, Total, total multifamily building permits issued were more than three times that number, 701 units. I'm oh, sorry, that was a note that I put in here for something else. On the other hand, Minneapolis has seen a growth in the number of permits issued for multifamily housing units between the same two periods. Technically speaking, total permits for multifamily housing units in St. Paul in 2021 were only slightly down from 2020. What is concerning, however, is the consistent downward trend in the last half of 2021, while Minneapolis seems to be rebounding. St. Paul, Paul has been going in the opposite direction with no sign of improvement. Imagine that. Now, Minneapolis, St. Paul, they're kind of grouped together because they're so close, the two mm -hmm. cities. They are governed by different bodies. Um, what All the builders were like, well, not going to build over here in St. Paul, just to go over there to Minneapolis where there are no caps where I can build houses and actually make a freaking profit. Mm -hmm. Because guess what's up? Guess what else is up? Uh, materials are up. The price of homes are up. The cost to build a house is up. 
everything's up. And guess what goes up as the price of the home goes up? Property taxes. Taxes go up. That goes up too. Exactly. It's almost like there's an incentive inside of the government to restrict the supply so the prices go up on everything and mm. they can uh, take in more property tax revenue. I don't know. I'm just throwing out random stuff like that. But anyway, that's that seems seems to be something that they might worry about sometime. So yeah, oh. this is uh, this is predictable. And we all knew that something like this was going to happen. And it gets very frustrating because they'll blame it on other stuff. And eventually, as, as this spreads, if it continues to spread and the, or they do something on a national level, you're going to see kind of like what happened with oil, where people don't want to put their investment money into it anymore. Remember, these are not just like people who grew up with the thought of making a bunch of money and then they're going to invest that money in building housing units. Like that's a, like a lifelong dream. That's all they they just have money and they're going to invest it in different places. And if you cap what their investment can make, 3% growth per year, but then there's something else, another sector where they can make more than that, they're going to shift to the way. There's going to be less investment going into the housing for people and it's going to be going elsewhere. So they're just going to end up creating a big collapse here or need for the government to come in and just start building up all the houses, you know. That's mm -hmm. who we need to do it because they'll do it for way cheaper too. It won't cost anything. The government will pay you and they'll build you a house. Mm -hmm. They already gave out cell phones. Yeah. So what's next? Car, houses? Why not? We need some Biden houses, man. Mm -hmm. We've got sure Obama do. phones. We need Biden houses. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go. Let's get out of here. All right, y'all. If you enjoyed today's hodgepodge of an episode. Which that was, was all over the place. It was. This was not consistent. No. But I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed talking about a bunch of different things. We had COVID. Folks, we brought up Al Gore. For you, where mm -hmm. else are you going to hear about Al Gore if you weren't paying attention to the Good Morning Liberty podcast? So make sure you share the show with a friend, a colleague, a family member, and the children, not the ones that died from COVID. There are only 14 of them. 16. Um, 16. <sighs> Misinformation almost made it through right there. But luckily, we had a fact check. His was uh, missing context. That's so right. There you go. Anyway, share it with the other children um, <laughs> because they don't need a vaccine. Anyway, <laughs> if you share the show, then you might as well hit follow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Make sure you subscribe. Leave us a rating and review. You can leave a rating now on Spotify, which is pretty cool. No review. You can't like say anything about the show, but you can definitely hit those stars. So we appreciate all of that. Sign up. Join GML.com to be part of the live group. We just uh, had a new member reach out yesterday. Because I hadn't let them through the wall yet. You hadn't let them through the wall. Nate, yeah. Nate is the gatekeeper. Mm -hmm. So be careful. Uh, tread lightly against old Nathaniel Thurston because he is feisty. <laughs> he's like a he's like a, a guard French bulldog. Yeah. You know, just El Diablo. Mm, that's what he goes by. <laughs> a Spanish for a guard French bulldog. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm the magic man. Now you see me. Now you don't. That's an awesome nickname. All right. If you guys do all those things, we'll be back again tomorrow for some dumb bleep of the week. I uh, hope you guys have a good day and a good morning liberty. <laughs> <laughs>